From the darkest reaches of space to the deepest corners of your mind. Your mind. Welcome to From the Void. Oceanside, California, 1962. Police receive a strange call from an unknown individual stating that he would soon be committing a baffling crime. April 10th, 1962. Ray Davis, a young cab driver for the Checker Cab Company, picks up a fare at a downtown cab stand and notifies his dispatcher that he will be delivering the fare to a location in South Oceanside. Ray is never heard from again. Now, nearly 60 years later, the murder of Ray Davis has yet to be solved. And in fact, Ray Davis had nearly been forgotten about completely until details of his murder resurface thanks to a local historian. The devil is in the details, as they say, and in this case, the devil might just be one of the most infamous serial killers in history. The details in the murder of Ray Davis seem awfully familiar, to a series of other unsolved murders just north of Oceanside. Murders committed by the Zodiac Killer. This week I talk with Oceanside historian Christy Hawthorne, who, while researching the Ray Davis case, thinks he may have been an early victim of the Zodiac Killer. So welcome to this week's episode, The Zodiac Killer and the Unsolved Murder of Ray Davis. Welcome to From the Void. All right. Welcome to the podcast, Christy Hawthorne. Uh, thank you so much for spending some time with me tonight. Thank you so much for having me. I feel very honored that you selected to speak with me. Well, you've got a really cool, and we'll, we'll get to this, uh, you know, um, within the episode, you've got a very cool uh, theory that adds to what is probably the most uh, infamous, probably, um, unsolved serial killer in modern history so obviously you know you can you can look at jack the ripper you know but that that's pretty far removed at this point you know 1800s but the zodiac uh is more in modern memory and so it's uh even more fascinating that this has gone unsolved for you know decades and decades and decades so um before we get into that though tell people a little bit about your background and, and what you do well actually um I, I am just a, a local here in Oceanside, California, which is in North San Diego County. I have been volunteering as the president of the Oceanside Historical Society for over 30 some years. And uh, it's not a glamorous job. It's just something fun. And so I have always loved uh, history and particularly local history. And so I wasn't... Um, looking to solve any crimes, uh, although I am a crime buff fan and I love all that stuff. And I have been even since when I was a child, started off reading Nancy Drew and then Agatha Christie. And then I I just jumped into, um, 
you know, nonfiction. I just love the uh, the true crime uh, stories rather than the fiction stories. So um, I've been, I, I wrote a book on the history of Oceanside. I'm currently working on a second book. Uh, I'm known as the historian for Oceanside because uh, I've been doing this for so long. Um, I write a blog and I write um, regularly for uh, the Osider magazine and uh, for, for other entities in and around San Diego. So that's the background. I have no formal training, by the way, in history. Uh, it's just something that I love and I'm very knowledgeable about the, the history of the, the area just because I've been doing it for so long. Love that. So so let's talk about, because we have to kind of set the stage before we, we get into um, this unsolved crime that took place in, in Oceanside. So uh, obviously we're, we're here talking about the Zodiac Killer. So when did, yes. when did those murders start to take place? Like what, uh, what part of the country did this take place and, and what time frame are we talking about here? Yeah, most of the, uh, the, the Zodiac uh, killing started in, in, I believe it was uh, 72, uh, up in Northern California, um, in the Vallejo area, the San Francisco area, and um, at 69, actually, I think was the first one, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Happened over a series of times. Uh, the Zodiac killer, um, he really wanted recognition, as many serial killers do. Uh, so he uh, started off by calling the police after one of his murders, uh, called on the phone and, and let them know there was a body. Uh, later on, of course, most people recognize him and would know him by his ciphers because he sent it coded messages to the police, kind of taunting them, if you will. But actually, um, you know, his first communications to the police was by uh, phone calls. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, he sent letters to uh, the news stations up in San Francisco. And, um, you know, and again, as you said, uh, he's one of the most notorious unsolved, um, you know, killers. We, we haven't identified him. And it, so it fascinates people, not just in the United States, fascinates people all over the world. And people have contacted me, and I'm not a Zodiac killer expert by any stretch of the imagination, but people all over the world contact me and they tell me they, they know who he is. Would you please listen to my theory? And uh, so it really captivates uh, so many people around the world. Yeah. And I think, I think, as you said, one of the things that is so captivating and so unique uh, in terms of, you know, serial killers, anywhere in the world is the fact that he was uh this this type of individual who would taunt the police and he sent you know these these strange um kind of cryptic letters and things to the uh to the press and so and some of which i think there's uh correct me if i'm wrong but i believe there's four ciphers in total that he he sent and only two of them and one of those two re very recently was just solved and the other two remain a mystery we still don't know what they say Right. And it's pretty remarkable that this uh, cipher just got, uh, I believe, you know, as you mentioned, um, solved uh, this year. And it's been sitting in the hands uh, and, and people have been trying to crack that cipher for decades and kind of exciting that someone, you know, actually did that. Um, so, it, you know, people are really dedicated to this case. There's so many people with so many different theories. Uh, but um, aside from the police department, there's so many, uh, you know, armchair sleuths and uh, legitimate detectives uh, look, looking to see if they can solve this. Yeah. And one of the other interesting things that I think is all has also caused complications over the years is the fact that 
uh, there were some potential witnesses uh, over the course of, of these killings, and the physical descriptions that they give seem to not necessarily, you know, coincide with one another. They're a little, you know, they don't necessarily agree. So is that, you know, so in, in your, in your research, um, you know, what, what were some of the clues maybe that, that you started to find that maybe kind of tipped you off and made you think that maybe perhaps this was also one of his victims? Well, well, so, you know, I wasn't researching the Zodiac, although personally I've watched, you know, movies and television shows and read books and articles about the Zodiac. So, um, you know, because again, I, 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 I'm like one of those armchair, you know, crime buffs. I love to watch all those shows and get caught up in it. But I was actually researching a completely different subject. It had nothing to do with murder. And um, I was researching St. Malo, which is an exclusive community, a gated community here in Oceanside. Uh, was built in the uh, very early 1930s by a very wealthy man from Pasadena. And so I was doing a search the newspaper articles for that particular uh, enclave, if you will. And I happened to cross, I, I hit St. Malo and I hit murder. And at first I thought like, oh, cool. You know, someone in this uh, ritzy neighborhood, some of these rich people, you know, maybe they've got a skeleton in the closet and they've, they've murdered someone. I want to write about that in my local blog, if you will. And, um, and I was a little disappointed to find out that it was, uh, you know, wasn't a St. Malo resident. It was a cab driver. But I still started going through the newspapers trying to find out, well, well you know, who killed him? And um, newspaper article after newspaper article. And then finally, I hit on one where the Oceanside Police Department said that um, someone had called them and said that they were going to commit, you know, a crime that they wouldn't be able to solve. And I thought, oh, that's weird. And then the next day, this guy, this cab driver is murdered. Well, then like three to four days later, then the Oceanside Police Department comes out and says, Okay, the same caller, we believe the same caller, because he took responsibility and said, hey, remember me, I was the one who made that phone call. Well, now I'm going to go after a bus driver. And right then, right then, I got so excited because I know, and although I'm not an expert, I know enough about the Zodiac that after he killed Paul Stein up in San Francisco, a, a cab driver, then he started making threats uh, toward uh, school buses, uh, particularly school children. But I still saw the similarities. I'm going, oh my gosh, cab driver. I killed a cab driver. Now I'm going to go after a bus. And um, I got very, very excited. However, I still wanted to make sure that this case hadn't been solved. And I'm just barking up the wrong tree. So, um, you know, that is when um, I, you know, I, I researched for almost a year and a half before I called the Oceanside Police Department. And I wanted to verify that this case had not been solved. And I actually was able to talk to a cold case detective, said that this case had never been solved. And I said, oh, I need to meet with you. And um, at first I thought that um, when I brought him all my research and I gave him my theory. I thought that he was going to laugh at me and like pat my head and go, okay, <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> but no, he took my, he took, uh, he took it seriously and uh, they reopened uh, the case. In fact, the case was so old, uh, even though it was unsolved, they had to pull it out, re-pull it out of their records, pull it out of their files. Wow. And um, so uh, I just, then I just started 
you know, deciding, okay, I'm going to put my research, uh, I'm going to start researching this a little bit more thoroughly and putting my facts together, my timeline together, pulling a coroner's report and, and all of this other information. And that's kind of the genesis of this case. I wasn't looking for the Zodiac, wasn't looking for something like this. It kind of fell in my lap. That's that's amazing. And, and the fact that you you notice those those distinct commonalities between, you know, the Zodiac uh, killings and uh, this unsolved homicide. So so lay, so lay it out for folks like, you know, when when did this particular murder take place? Who was this individual? Who was this cab driver? He was a young, young guy, right? Yeah. So Ray Davis um, was a relatively young man who came from Michigan with his uh, brother and uh, they had were very, very recent transplants in Oceanside. I believe that he had just come to Oceanside in January of 1962, and he was murdered in April. Um, he, um, he was a cab driver. I believe his stepfather in Michigan was also a cab driver. And so maybe it was just something that he was familiar with. Uh, his brother was working at Camp Pendleton, which Oceanside has uh, to the north of us, Marine Corps Base Camp Pendleton. And, uh, and Ray Davis was married uh, and had two stepchildren. He had no children of his own, but uh, Ray and his wife uh, were uh, estranged. They were either legally separated or divorced. I'm not so sure, but she was living up in Pomona in the Los Angeles area. And um, so uh, Ray Davis uh, was, was downtown Oceanside waiting for a fair. Uh, he called his dispatch and said that, um, probably radioed it, of course not call, but radioed his dispatch and said that uh, he had a fair that he was going to South Oceanside. And that is um, uh, the area that St. Malo is in. It's the southernmost uh, border of Oceanside along the coast. And um, his uh, dispatcher never heard back from him. And he was found in the early morning hours. Uh, his body um, had been uh, just abandoned in, in an alleyway, if you will, uh, in the St. Malo area. And his cab then uh, had been driven uh, back to um, uh, closer to the downtown area. It was still in the beach area, but it was, uh, I think, some two, two miles uh, north of where Ray Davis had been left. Interesting. So the so the killer presumably takes off in the cab and dumps the cab yes. off somewhere else as well. Absolutely. So what sort of was was there any physical evidence that the police were able to uncover, like fingerprints or any kind of you know, obviously this is way before DNA testing and things like that, but Right. One of, one of the theories that the police had put out there um, was that this was a robbery initially, and a lot of newspaper articles went out um, throughout California and even in other states uh, that um, this was a robbery. However, Ray Davis had um, some money tucked in his shirt pocket, as well as his um, wallet was on the front seat. And he had some papers and even a book on his front seat, and they said those were undisturbed. So his wallet still had money, uh, his pocket had money, and so robbery was not a motive. Um, hmm. I, I really do think that um, whoever had called the police, um, maybe they didn't plan to kill Ray Davis uh, 24 hours before that, uh, but, the, but 
you know, they, they targeted him at some time that this would be easy. Oceanside's a very quiet town. Uh, at that time, we were small. Uh, St. Malo, it, again, is an exclusive area. It's right next to the train tracks. Um, my theory is that maybe, maybe um, he waited to, to shoot Ray Davis, maybe when the train went by, and so residents wouldn't have been able to hear that. I have no idea. Um so, you know, what was the motive and what were the evidence left? Um, you know, there there were, um, uh, they, they had slugs they removed from his body. Um, those are, I guess, are unusable. Uh, the fingerprints, they fingerprinted the car. And uh, the other thing that they have, it, it probably DNA evidence, which would be fascinating, um, Cold case detective Sylvia O'Brien told me that they have uh, Ray Davis's clothes and uh, his belt loop was torn. So the, the killer would have gotten out of the back seat. And I guess I really haven't explained how Ray was shot. Uh, so if I could step back a little bit. Uh, the passenger would have been seated behind Ray Davis, who was driving his cab. Um, there was a bullet through the windshield. Uh, there was a bullet hole through the windshield. There was a bullet through the back of the, the taxi cab seat that went into Ray Davis. And then he was shot in his head from behind uh, or perhaps maybe even slightly, you know, to his I don't know, the side of his head, but the back side of his head. And um, so the killer went and exited then the car, opened up the car door, uh, pulled Ray uh, by his, uh, perhaps maybe his shirt and of course his belt loop, which then was torn and just unceremoniously uh, left Ray. Now you can imagine there was, you know, we've got now we've got a, a windshield, uh, not completely broken, but cracked with a bullet hole. There had to have been some blood um, even if it was a clean shot through the back, so to speak, uh, that head wound, and the killer would have gotten in that cab and driven it away. Uh, it was in the very early morning hours. Um, he left the cab um, in the 400 block um, in the alley behind uh, South Pacific Street, and who knows what would happen. The transit, the bus station, the train station is very, very close there. So if he wasn't from Oceanside, um, he could have gotten on, on a train uh, that could have taken him, you know, anywhere down to San Diego, up to Los Angeles, uh, or he just could have, you know, melded into the downtown some, some at some point in time. Um, but, you know, uh, OPD, the Oceanside Police Department, has said that um, that the clothing of Ray Davis uh, has not been um, maintained in a pristine condition. You know, um, there was not DNA back in 1962. They weren't concerned. Uh, they just knew that, you know, hey, this has blood on it. This was the blood, the, the dead man's clothes. So they didn't take care of it the way they do uh, now. So it so she's worried about um maybe cross-contamination mm. uh, with other people. So if somebody else was holding it up without gloves and now we've got, you know, you know, 15 people touching those clothes, um, you know, what, what's, what's the, um, what's it going to benefit? Um, now the, the, um, I've been told that the slugs were um, not of any use. Now the fingerprints. So I was told, yes, there's fingerprints, 
and very excited about that. And I was just going, oh my gosh. And of course, again, you know, me just like, you know, watching CSI or something, just run those through APHIS, you know, and <laughs> right. Well, for, <laughs> right. And then we'll know, we'll know in like 45 minutes at the end of this show. But um, they, first of all, they had to, they had to, I guess, be determined as viable prints. And I, and then, um, when they went to when they went to send them in finally because they did sit on them even after I contacted them they have other things going on at the Oceanside Police Department <laughs> really? um, but um, by the time they sent them in COVID hit and then Sylvia had told me that hey you know a lot of these labs are short staffed they're only working on emergency uh, you know cases viable cases and. Um, so uh, we waited and waited and waited, and uh, she contacted me uh, just a, a, a few weeks ago by email and said that she had two hits on these fingerprints. There were so many fingerprints in this cab. Uh, it wasn't driven just by Ray Davis. Uh, it, it wasn't his personal cab. Uh, there was other drivers. Uh, there was passengers. I mean, think about how many times this cab would have gotten touched and fingerprinted well so um uh, she said there was two sets of fingerprints that came back but she wasn't going to share um them with me oh and, interesting uh, yeah <laughs> I <know. laughs> so i did hmm. thank her for calling me and reaching out to me and letting me know uh that there were there were two matches that they were going to uh look into the other thing uh, that of note, it's kind of frustrating too when you think about you know the 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 age of this case um, just being so um, uh, you know old you know pre DNA and uh, of course these fingerprints and um, all of this eyewitness maybe testimony and the detectives are gone um, is the fact that um, apparently the, the police departments up in um, uh, Northern California uh, do not want to really participate and share information, not even with other police departments. And um, so uh you know, Sylvia, the detective, uh, expressed, um, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, frustration with that, uh, that they have a case that they would like to pursue. Uh, she said that other uh, policemen in the department thinks that there is a very good chance that there is a relationship uh, to the Zodiac killer, uh, but they're not getting any cooperation with the, uh, the departments up in the San Francisco and Vallejo area. Wow, that's amazingly disappointing because uh, I know that was an issue at the time, not in just yes. this case, but a lot of cases where if, uh, you know, if a killer committed murders, you know, in different areas uh, that fell under different jurisdictions, one of the issues was that, you know, there was no collaboration. And so, you know, it took way longer than it should have to potentially catch this person because of the fact that they wouldn't, you know, wh whether it's hubris or pride or whatever, um, getting right. in the way. It's amazing to think that's still happening in 2021. It's, it's still happening. And, you know, you can attribute that to all sorts of things, you know, um, because this case is so fascinating to so many people, they're probably inundated uh, with phone calls and emails and, and, and everyone. Like I said, I just... Uh, wrote a blog about it and I have gotten uh, emails and, and, and contacts from people across the world from Italy and Russia and Ireland and across the country of 
you know, me just writing a blog about Ray Davis murder and people wanting to say, I know who did it. And uh, so if you can imagine how much more a police department would get those. So I think probably they're playing it very close to the vest. I do think that they probably have invested decades of time. And uh, but it, and, and so they don't want to share their information. But it is frustrating that they wouldn't at least communicate with another police department um, who perchance uh, have have a very similar case on their hands. And uh, I think one of the fascinating things to me, too, is that in, in 1962, when Ray Davis um, was murdered, and then I think it was in 69, uh, when when Paul Stein, the cab driver, was shot and killed. Now, I know it's we don't have the internet back then and, and news traveled, but you would think that maybe the Oceanside detectives in Oceanside would have said, like, because it was front page news. It was on the news. Like, wow, hey, we we had a cab driver get shot in Oceanside. And, and you know, we had to put armed guards on our buses uh, because this guy threatened to, uh, you know, blow up a bus or whatever it was. And so uh, I don't know. You, may, you know, I don't know why somebody just didn't pick up a phone or did they? I don't know, because all those detectives uh, sadly have passed. Yeah. And to your point, like you said earlier, you know, they, they may have reached out, but at that point, you know, they're at a fever pitch in terms of the, the panic that the, that these murders were, were having, you know, this effect that it was having on society, specifically in that Lake Vallejo, you know, San Francisco area, that they, it may have just gotten buried, unfortunately, you know, with all the other tips and, and leads and things coming in at the time, which is unfortunate. You know, one of the things that I was thinking about when I was reading, um, reading your your blog post about it is that you know this is obviously a much earlier uh murder that took place and you know when we think about like we know so much more about serial killers now and kind of the you know the thought process and the psychology and so often we find out that these serial killers you know they kind of escalate and and earlier on when they're when they're kind of trying to figure out their mo and and their style or their approach or whatever um can potentially make mistakes. And so we have a situation here that if it is indeed connected, there's a potential that the killer made a mistake and the evidence could be sitting there that could have this domino effect and solve all of these other unsolved murders. Exactly. Exactly. Um, One one of the things too, that, that, that this case fascinated me, fascinated me so much with Ray Davis is that, again, um, sadly to say, uh, in America, even in the 60s, people get shot and killed, um, if not every day, you know, uh, quite, quite often. Um, it's just, it's just the way that it is. But what made this case stand out was that the Oceanside Police Department, because, because of this phone call, uh, that, that, uh, you know, forewarning them or taunting them about this this uh, thing that was going to happen that um, that they were not going to be able to solve, and then the the killer making good on it, and then calling them back and making yet another threat. Well, at that point in time, the Oceanside Police Department thought that this was such a viable threat that they had to make an announcement and uh, they published it in the newspaper. They put armed guards on the buses and, uh, and that when they did that, that made news all across the country. Um, So even though the Ray Davis um, murder had made some local newspapers um, in Orange County, Los Angeles and San Diego, when the, when the Oceanside police department published the fact that now they were going to have to guard buses, 
is because they were taking this man's threat very, very seriously. And that's kind of when, you know, it, it went all over the place from the East Coast up to, um, you know, Washington and Oregon and, and the Midwest and, and everywhere. Uh, the uh, people were very terrified. Again, we've got a sleepy little beach town and nothing like that had ever happened. And I don't think anything like that actually happened in America, in the United States, uh, that they had to put armed uh, guards on a bus because they were fearing that a murderer was loose. And so the fact that this would have faded into obscurity so soon, uh, in not only just Oceanside, but in, in the consciousness of, you know, of, 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 of people here in California, uh, is kind of fascinating to me. Uh, but they took it very seriously. And who, but, um, so even if, like, let's say if this is, this is a zodiac or it's just another random person and it's not the zodiac, who calls the police? Um, to to say, hey, I'm going to do this thing and you're never going to solve it. It's going to, you know, it's going to baffle you or whatever the words he said. And, and then who bothers to call back? Who follows through? Who calls back? Who makes another taunt? If, if this was his first rodeo, I guarantee you this guy went on to do it again because he got such a response. He got such a response uh, that he, whether he, uh, of course, he didn't stay in Oceanside because nothing happened to the buses and we didn't have a another murder um, in, in this manner. Uh, but I think he probably traveled. Um, so is this is this guy sitting somewhere? Uh, did he die in prison because he was an actual serial killer and we just haven't hooked him up to anybody else? Or was this pattern so distinct that um, that he is, in fact, the Zodiac? It does. I mean, there is a compelling case uh, for the fact that maybe if this was his first murder, that this was kind of his trial run, you know, the small unsuspecting town. And he, he kind of tries this this thing out and, in fact, did get away with it. You know, whether it was a Zodiac or not, as you said, whoever it was, you know, phoning in these taunts, these threats, made good on it. And he was right. He's, you're yes. not going to solve it. And we have it, at least up <laughs> till this point. I know. I but, know. So did you were you able to look at the, the Paul Stein case more closely and, and try to see if there were some other similarities? Like, I know you said the, the slugs were kind of um, not real useful, but... Could you determine if it was the same caliber weapon or, you know, that sort of thing? So I, I think at the Paul Stein case that um, he was shot with a, a different weapon. But, you know, the Zodiac used different weapons. And one of the weapons he did use was, um, excuse me if I get this wrong, but I think it's a long rifle with a twenty-two, And so he used different weapons. And, and why uh, he would have switched things up, I think he always liked to keep the police guessing. Uh, so... Um, in his early uh, murders, I believe he used this uh, long rifle. Uh, I think he killed Paul Stein with a 44. Um, all of you who, who happen to be listening, don't yell at me if I'm getting the <laughs> Paul Stein facts wrong. But, um, you know, he was very, very bold in, in, in killing uh, this, this taxi driver uh, up in, in San Francisco. Um, he took uh, you know, he cut off a piece of this shirt uh, of the cab driver. He he wanted to prove to the police it was me again. He wants to be noticed. Uh, you know, he's writing these ciphers. He's calling in. He's sending these clues. He's sending these, um, you know, articles uh, to substantiate uh, the fact that he is the one murdering these people uh, and the fact that um 
that people saw him. And of course, the Paul Stein case, it was just tragic because, um, you know, uh, he was uh, described as a white man. And then I think it later gets told uh, by the dispatcher, but the police are looking for a black man. And he walks right past the police who are on their way to the scene. And what an opportunity, uh, which is lost tragically. And and will we will we ever know? Because there's so many people with so many theories um, uh, you know, it's a very, very frustrating thing. Now, one of the theories is, of course, that that uh, perhaps, you know, makes um, Ray Davis's murder uh, more viable, if you will, would be uh, some people uh, assert that, um, uh, that the boots that he was wearing in one case, uh, you know, were military style boots. Uh, you know, was he from Camp Pendleton? Uh, was he from uh, one of the naval stations uh, down here in San Diego? And, and, and some people bristle at the fact that um, that that somebody would say, well, he was military uh, because there's uh, the the vast uh, majority of people who are serving the military are honorable uh, people who want to serve their country, um, but um, certainly Camp Pendleton right next door, and um, he could have disappeared, you know, onto that base. And uh, maybe he was getting out of the military, maybe he was getting out of the Marines, maybe he was getting out of the Navy, and he was just going to leave his mark. And of course, one of the um, one of the theories then is, too, is that uh, there was another early Zodiac uh, murder with Sherry Jo Bates up in Riverside. I believe that was in 68, uh, maybe 66. Um, I'm sorry, I just don't have my timeline in front of me. I should know that. And and so that would kind of make sense. Perhaps maybe he started in San Diego, went up to Riverside and then meandered, you know, up north. Yeah. And, it, and as you said, for someone who, you know, adoration or at least, uh, you know, attention seemed to be part of the thrill, uh, as you said, you know, starting out in a smaller location like Oceanside, you know, what what's what's going to be even more thrilling after that well obviously bigger city bigger newspapers more attention more eyes on it uh it sort of makes sense as as he's kind of ramping up or escalating uh in the killings um so were there did you look into any of the particular um uh popular suspects to see if any of them may have been in kind of the area at the time or you know, I, I have not been able to, um, I, I did, I did, I picked a handful of people, um, um, you know, and, and I looked to see if I could find any ties uh, to, to Oceanside or San Diego County. And I, you know, I, I can't, I, I, I haven't found anything definitive to say that, oh my gosh, yes, you know, here, you know, all of those suspects, you know, it could be somebody else. I mean, uh you know, we, we just don't know. I mean, I, I know people have their favorites and, and I don't even know their names right now. I know one is Geik and there's, you know, or nicknamed, uh, and, but there's so many different uh, people um, and then many of them passed away. And, you know, certainly, certainly if he's still alive, uh, he's a very old man. Um, but it, but what, what piques everyone's curiosity and even hope, though, is that Golden State uh, killer uh, right. was caught. Uh, and he's a very old man. Uh, still alive and he was just living incognito uh, for all of these years and they were finally able to solve that but um, 
you know, it's the, the DNA, I think, has uh, not gone anywhere with what uh, San Francisco and Vallejo has. Um, there's a possibility um, uh, OPD suggested uh, because there's some type of um, DNA collection process uh, that they use, I want to say with it like a, it's like a vacuum, but I don't know. It should, it's something like that where they yeah. can actually uh, collect that DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, all of that stuff costs money. And do they have, you know, the funds for that? Can they get approval? This case is, again, I mean, it's uh, it's as old as me. Um, and you know, is is that is that possible to you know even you know consider doing? Um, and the cost of it, what would it, um, what would it produce? Are we spinning our wheels? But me, of course, you know, <laughs> leave no stone unturned. Let's do it. But <laughs> right. I'm not the one <laughs> making the decisions. <laughs> well, then the, the other hope too, obviously, is that, um, you know, as time passes, technology improves and it gets uh, more, it becomes more affordable and, and that sort of thing. So you kind of wonder if there's technology right around the corner that might be uh, accessible and affordable, that right. might might be the thing that breaks the case, but, uh, super, super interesting. Um, yeah. Any, any other thoughts that you have just in the research that you've done, uh, any other things that were kind of surprising or, or, or in your opinion, really kind of link this murder to, uh, to again, to potentially the Zodiac. Yeah, I, I think just the circumstances, you know, one of the other things that the um, the Zodiac up in uh, the San Francisco area claimed that there was more people claimed that there was people down south, um, you know, was that as far south as San Diego County, Riverside County, you know, I, I think maybe the ch- chances are he was embellishing his story because he really, really, really wanted to. Uh, you know, taunt the police. And he really, really wanted to strike fear in the hearts of as many people. Um, So, you know, if that was true, though, um, you know, you know, if he said, you know, I, I, you know, there's others, there's others down south, uh, it it could lend itself. um, And I think, I do think, though, I mean, how, how many active serial killers in the 1960s. It was a heyday for active serial killers in California, unfortunately. (laughs) But but how many then were, were, you know, calling and taunting the police? Uh, You know, there was the the Hillside Strangler and whatnot. Uh, I don't necessarily know if they were taunting the police. They were it's just killing as many people as they could to get away with it. Um, but uh, the Zodiac in particular, I think part of his uh, MO and uh, one of his satisfactions was that communication with the police department. Uh, not unlike the BTK, P- BTK killer in, in uh, Wichita, Kansas, uh, he was killing people and he wanted to be noticed. And, you know, he wrote, how long, what, what do I have to do to get my name in the paper? <laughs> you know, I, you know, he demanded it. And so I really do think that, um, uh, whether, whether it's linked or not, that the Ray Davis's murderer wanted to communicate with the police. He wanted the notoriety. He wanted the fame. And here we have someone up in Vallejo and San Francisco wanting to communicate with the ocean, or excuse me, with the police departments up there and wanting to, to be recognized. And, and I think going through elaborate ciphers and whatnot, I think he just loved the cat and mouse game. And um, so there is the link there. Um, whether it's true or not, I think 
uh, or whether it, it proves uh, to be the same person, I do still think that Ray Davis's uh, murder needs to be solved. Uh, there's no one left to mourn or lament the passing of Ray Davis. Uh, and he's just kind of just uh, sadly is completely forgotten in all of this. Um, but, you know, he still his murder still deserves to be solved, uh, whether it's linked to the Zodiac or not. And so I think about that a lot of times. I, I just think, where is the justice for Ray? Where was the justice for his mother who never knew what happened to her son, to his, for his brother? Uh, it just, it just never, it just never came to fruition, sadly. Yeah, I think that is kind of the missed part of the story. It's, you know, we, as a, collective public or whatever, you know, we have this fascination with serial killers just because they're so contrary to, you know, to the world around us and, and the, you know, the, the everyday kind of motions of life. But, um, we forget about these victims and a lot of these victims were very, very young whose lives were ahead of them. And, uh, you know, and, and these crimes have not been solved and there is, there has been no justice, uh, in terms of, um, you know, bringing this, this killer, you know, uh, forward to to answer for these for these murders absolutely absolutely well um thank you so much for coming on tell people where they can stay on top of what you're up to and and kind of follow along with the progress of yeah. this of this case yeah, so I, I write a blog. It's called historiesandmysteries.blog. And I started off doing this just kind of fun. Um, you know, as a historian, I, I write about all the wonderful, nice history in Oceanside. <laughs> but I've been doing this for so long, I kind of have some you know, not for primetime history, you know, um, not for the kiddies kind of thing. Nothing t terrible, but maybe you you wouldn't want to read in a coffee table book about, you know, your city. <laughs> and so right. I just kind of started compiling little tidbits of odd stories. And um, so uh, when I started uh, researching Ray, I, I really thought I had to put a story together. And and really, once once I posted my blog, and after I got all my research, and I contacted the Oceanside Police Department, and I and I put this uh, on my blog and kind of posted it and sent it out there, it was amazing, you know, how many people picked it up. Um, the local news channels, um, and I tell you, it was fascinating. Um, uh, CBS here in, in down in San Diego, uh, they actually actually found the old news footage of this murder. So you can see the cab, you can see the area where Ray Davis was left, you can see exactly what it looked like. And I was going on no photos. In fact, that's one of the things that when I had talked to um, the cold case detective, I was asking them for any crime scene photos they could share with me. Oh, we can't share. But I go, Oh, I don't, I don't, I'm not looking for anything gory, just a, a shot of this cab, just a shot. No, we can't share anything with you. And then when News 8 uh, sent me the footage of of uh, their uh, news story and back in 1962 I just like I just almost died um but um so it's kind of just snowballed there because people are fascinated with it and and I um and as I said before before I let you go uh, you know whether whether this is tied to the zodiac killer it would be so fascinating and so exciting that it would be and that that could ever be proven uh but however I, I do hope that maybe one of these days with somebody confess on their deathbed will will somebody call and say my dad my uncle i don't know my boyfriend or my ex-husband you know told me this story a long time ago sometimes that happens a lot too but i really do hope that that the murder of ray davis uh, will be solved
Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This is absolutely fascinating. And, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of crazy similarities there. So I, I hope that uh, at some point we do move this case along. And like you said, whether it's connected or not, hopefully um, this is a case, case that doesn't stay cold and, and that uh, there is some justice here in the end. Thank you so much. And thank you again for, for reaching out to me and including me on your podcast. I, I so appreciate that. It's very exciting. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Was Ray Davis the first or at least an earlier victim of the Zodiac? Or was he just an unfortunate victim at the hands of a killer who seemingly had no motive? Either way, the family of Ray Davis deserve an answer. And hopefully, through the work of people like Christy Hawthorne, they get one soon. I'll be back next week with a brand new mystery. And as always, thank you for listening to From the Void. <laughs>